Hey, welcome to FTR. My name is Ever Kalamako. Today we have Jeremy Powell with us. Hey, how you doing? So this is going to be good. We're going to be talking about his testimony and much more right after this. Did you not know that those who run a race run to win a prize? Those who run practice self-control in all things. So therefore, run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you will not be disqualified at the appearing of the Lord. For it is not those who start the race that win, but those who finish the race. Yes, finish the race. That's what we're about. And for that reason, I have asked Jeremy to share some some words with all of you today. Um, I really want him to share his testimony, his life, because we're on this journey together to finish the race. And for those who this may be the first time you joining this, this podcast, uh, welcome again. And just kind of laying some some uh, some disclosures here. Uh, we are sitting in a bedroom in South Carolina, and uh, so the quality might not be the best. But you know what? It's all for Jesus Christ, and we just want this content to go out. So if you hear any bumps or you know things in the background, I do apologize. But we are using what we have. So anyway, Jeremy Powell's with us. Hey, how you doing, everybody? And we're excited. Uh, well, I'm excited for him to be here, actually. Um, he is a very, very good brother of mine in Christ and almost as close as a, a blood brother, to be honest, because uh, we've just been through so much in the past year, year and a half. And I'm just, as the scriptures say, I'm happy to call him my brother. You know, Jesus says he, he's not ashamed to call you know, his people, his friend. And so I'm not ashamed to call Jeremy my friend. And uh, I really want you guys to really listen to what he has to say about his testimony and some of the things that he's gone through. And what I really want to come out of this testimony is I want the scriptures that we read to really come to life in the testimony of Jeremy today. And one thing about testimonies that we understand to be true is that our testimony testifies of who Jesus is. And when we share testimonies, we're sharing the glory and the power and the transforming power of Jesus in our lives. So we're testifying of him. Uh, and so the scriptures must come to life. Everything that it says that Jesus will do has done, and will continue to do, and what is doing now should come through our testimony. And so again, we've, Jeremy and I, we've, we've really run together, and we've worked together in the kingdom for the past year and a half. Um, I would say, was it, is it a year and some change ago, some months ago, that I actually met him for the first time at a TLR event uh, called the Kickstart, which is a discipleship training event where uh, people are trained um, into becoming effective disciples for Jesus. And um, it was March of um, 
in in Myrtle Beach, and uh, and so it was a Sunday <clears throat> Sunday afternoon uh, or Sunday morning after a message of the four grounds were given that Jeremy uh, stood up from the crowd and he gave a message in tongues. Um, and I believe it was your first time. You can speak about that in a second. And I look over and this dude is speaking with power and authority. I was like, hold up. And not to mention that his his person was uh, you know, he, he he had he had dreads. How long were they? Uh probably down to my chest. Down to your chest. Okay. So you, so you, it's like a I don't know how to describe it, but anyway, this authority is coming out of Jeremy and the audience, and I'm just like, man. You know, me coming from a background where the appearance was everything, uh, I'm like, dude, God is using this guy. I need to know how long he's been doing this and like what this whole thing's about. In my head, I'm just I got to talk to the dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after <clears throat> afterwards, I came up and I just sat down and dude's chill, <laughs> just just sitting there and I'm like, hey man, I said, have you been used often in that gifting? Or I can't remember how I, how I said it. Maybe you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you just was, have you done that often, you know? Yeah, like now is my first time. Yeah, first time. So talk about that moment, dude. So basically, you know, we 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 have been fighting for freedom. We have been fighting for this this thing we call um, the gospel. And we're just, just fighting for the Lord, you know. And the next thing you know, we found that it's Kickstarter, found the videos on YouTube, just like many other people. And and what we saw was wow they're close you know they're five hours away let's 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 run over there let's do this thing, so we did and we got there and you know I was you know coming from a church background where you go and you, you don't really feel like you can do anything a lot of times um, unless you're on some kind of group or some time mm. some type of team yeah um, but here I was just in worship and er- and I was just in tears and crying out to the Lord and all of a sudden in my head I kind of just saw me stand up. And give a and give a tongue, or a message in tongues, and I was like, "What was that?" You know, like just saw me stand up and do it, and then I was like, "You know, Lord, I'll I'll do that, but you you know make everything go silent, and 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 that will show that I have the opportunity to to do what you want." And sure enough, it wasn't long later that everything went dead silent, and and I just felt the Lord saying, "Now, now, now." And so we did it, and wow. it was beautiful. Wow. And then, <clears throat> so somebody gets up to, to give the interpretation of the tongue. Um, there, was another, there was another tongue given. Was that right after you or after the interpretation? It literally was r- right as I was finishing, she was beginning. So this other tongue was actually a distraction. It was a demonic tongue, and... It, you could just feel the difference, complete difference. And then um, Torben was had walked up to her, you know, just calmly walked up to her, put his hand on her, and said something, and she just stopped. Yeah, it was like a shutdown, like she just stopped. So really, God was really doing something in that moment, and the enemy was was not liking it, so he tried to distract it. So powerful moment. And then after that. Uh, we we connected at the ark months later, about three months later at the Luke Ten School, and and from there we just you know got to know each other a little bit better. But it wasn't until after the school and the, the beginning of the next school, uh, really where it was actually after the tent meetings, right? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was after the tent meetings. We had connected one time in New Hampshire just because I had a dream with you in it. Yeah. So yeah, it was after all of these meetings, tent meetings that we came back for the for the September school that we were really really connected. And so let's let's just run together, man. Somehow it just became a natural thing. So we've seen a lot, we've experienced a lot, but it hasn't been for me seeing uh, Jeremy on this side of things has. It's been one thing, but to hear how he got to this place is a whole different thing. Mm. You know, things that I, I that I hear in, I'm like, I can't even, I can't even imagine in my head seeing seeing you in that position. You know, of what I hear because there's there's absolutely nothing in you, or I'm not gonna say nothing, but there's there's not that much in your personality or character as a person that would give any kind of inclination. Wow. That that would have that would have been your life. Hmm. But is it it is uh, it isn't until you talk about your testimony in, in group settings and stuff and like, bro, like you're you're talking about somebody else, you know? And that's the reality is that that was somebody else. Yeah, man. It was a whole different person. So, I'm going to open it up for you, man. Just um laid out, you know, and really Describe the the old describe the the natural person of the world and and how you know the scripture says that our our fleshly mind is enmity or hostility towards God and so in that aspect there was this place where it was just you but then there's a transformation when you came into the Lord and you started to to seek things of God. But it wasn't exactly what you expected, and you started to see things, and and for years you're like, hold on, it's not matching. You're in this position where you're you're fighting between two natures, um, and just talk about at the end result what happened. So go ahead. Yeah, um, I mean, I could take it all the way back to you know when I was just a little kid, you know, about two or three years old. I can remember when. Um, just for example, how, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night and there's just a house full of people, a cloud of smoke in the house, you know, just because everyone's getting, getting high. And for me, you know, I, I, of course I was two or three years old, you know, I really had no idea. Um, but later on in life, I realized that my, my stepdad was actually a pimp and my mom was one of his, um, women. Um, and so because of that, my grandparents was like, you know, just let us have the boy and and we'll take care of him. You know, I can't have any kids anymore. My, my grandma was just really compassionate about about me coming. She felt that she had prayed for my mom to to have another kid when she wasn't supposed to be able to. And so she just felt, you know, a responsibility and, a, and, a, and a, I, w- I want this boy. And so, we, you know, she gave me eventually when I was about uh, three or four. And uh, it was mainly because of the lifestyle that she was living. And then about about eight years old, uh, I had got burned really bad on my hand. And um, the man my my grandma was with, um, he had a sister or a cousin. She she was into witchcraft, and you know I don't think they really knew, but they took me to her because she could supposedly speak the fire out of my hand. So I went there. I remember being terrified, you know, I'm only eight or whatever. And I didn't hear what she said, but I, I felt like the wind from her breath on my hand. And then all of a sudden it just felt like the the, the the burn just lifted. But 
after that, I began to get really, really angry and show out. And then I learned how to black out. And next thing you know, within a year, I'm smoking weed and I'm, and I'm, and I'm being really, really bad at school. And, and that just escalated until I was about 12 years old. And, and then I was doing drugs on a day-to-day basis. I quit going to school. You know, my dad, would he would take me to school, but then I would just go down the steps, out the side door, I'm gone because I wanted to run the streets, be with my friends who were 15, 16, you know, already in high school and, and, and just skipping school. And so I just kind of followed in that path, and it just led me to uh, drug addiction. And not only just a drug addiction where, you know, you try weed one time or you or you, or you go into your dad's liquor cabinet. No, it was more like, you know, methamphetamine and crack cocaine, like these things I was introduced to at 12 years old. And by the time I'm 12, you know, almost turning 13, 14 years old, I'm full on running the streets every day, smoking crack, smoking meth, smoking marijuana every single day, you know. And you could just see this escalate of me going downhill. And um, my parents, of course, they had no idea what to do. But then, you know shortly after me really running hard for these drugs um you know jail jail is just it's a magnet for people like that so the beginning to go to jail and go to jail you know year after year month after month I'm in and out in and out and I'm about 16 years old and and so I'm starting to get braver and 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 more bold with with what I was doing and and what I really liked to do at that time was break in people's house and steal their stuff and sell it so that I could, you know, get drugs. But I realized that I was I was starting to break in a lot of houses where people say, hey, there's a lot of this there, there's a lot of merchandise here. And I would get there and there would be nothing there. And so I was getting really aggravated with that. So I, I took even a step further and I started, you know, arm robbing people where I would have a gun and I would hold people at gunpoint and I would take, you know, their drugs, whether they were drug dealers or whatever. And so here again, here I am, 16 years old, and I'm, I'm already used to doing this. And I meet this lady, and she's like, hey, I know this drug dealer. He's got a lot right now. I know he just read up. And so we went, you know, and she, she, she really pressed him. And, and next thing you know, you know, they're, they're laid up, and here I come in the door, you know. And, I, and, and we took, you know, their stuff, some money and, and other things. But it was a swing to this one. And just so you know, like, you know, Jeremy's keeping a lot of uh, details out. Uh, and just because we don't know the audience, hopefully, you know, this can be encouraging for every every walk of life. But the the things that he's been through reminds me of a of a just a crazy rated R movie, mm. in my opinion. Wow. You know, just like, dude, you see these these movies with I don't know, like, oh, what's that one movie with the dude in it? Um Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, yeah. What is that, it? That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, scar. Yeah, uh, or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember right now. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, so like yeah, that, yeah. that kind of that's how I picture it in my head. Yeah, you know, would you say that that's that's somewhat accurate of? Yeah, I would say you know we would we would watch these type of movies and you know rap and. You know, when I was coming in, it was all about robbing people and being a good, a, a, the biggest drug dealer and, and linking up with the, the, the amigos. and You know, it was all that thing. So to us, that was fame. To us, yeah. that was like our only way out. Yeah. Like, in, unless you become a rapper, a good drug dealer, or link up with the amigos, you're never going to make it. Yeah. Like, people like us, we don't, 
we don't make it to the top, you know? And yeah. So, so anyway, carry on, bro. Yeah. So that was uh, really, you know, that was that were those were our idols. Those were our our mentors in a way, you know. We, exactly. We come yeah. up with Young Jeezy and Plies, and all they talked about was selling dope and mm. and robbing people and black mask and yeah. just all of these type of real hard hard you know music and stuff and so whatever you're taking in that's who you're becoming yeah yeah, yeah exactly man it, you, you 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 know jesus said be careful what you hear and how you hear it yeah you know because you're going to do it and the measure you use is going to be measured back to you yeah and so i was really seeing that you know come come to life in my life like yeah. i i had this image where you know to me i looked like a dope boy with a million dollar outfit on, but in all actuality, I was a junkie. And I had this 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 image that I thought I looked like in my head, but in all actuality, I was a very horrible person. And but I justified myself because of my pride and uh of like who don't want to be this guy that I have in my head? Like this is the coolest guy in the world. Mm. And I thought I was portraying <laughs> that well, you know. Yeah. And in all actuality, I was just I was a horrible person. Wow. But, you know, here I am, 16 years old, commit this armed robbery, and, man, the tables turn. These people call the law and tell them that, you know, we broke in and held them at gunpoint and took uh, uh, $1,500 earrings and $5,000. And here I am finding myself, like, they portrayed that they were good, hardworking people whom this young thug came in and just took their stuff, this like cold-blooded guy came in and, and did everything that he did. And here I am finding myself, 16 years old, in a juvenile jail, and they're coming and saying, hey, we're, we're going to give you 45 years. You take that plea? It's like, 45 years? Like, I'm, In my head, I'm like, I robbed a drug dealer. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, I did. I committed a crime, but not something worth 45 years. So I was like, Dad, what am I, what are we going to do? Like, I can't do 45 years. Like, you know? It's crazy, bro. And my dad ended up paying like $10,000 for a lawyer, and, and, and they just began to really investigate, you know? Usually with these type of crimes, you know, what the cosmetics look like and how they see things, and they see me, and they've seen my background and how I've been living for the last four years. They're like, yeah, this is probably most likely true. So they would have never really dug into it, but praise God that that my dad, you know, he believed me. And, uh, yeah, so he, he paid the money, and they began to investigate, and I just shared everything. You know, I was just fully open with them and told them the truth. And then they found out, yeah, this, this guy actually is a drug dealer. Mm. And this girl, you know, it never found out that she was my accomplice. Um she wrote the same statement as him as if they were a couple together. Wow. When in all actuality she was my she was my accomplice. Wow. So what happened was um because I was underage and because of the nature of the crime, how I was I was a junkie, I was a drug addict and and they saw that hey, I was just a young dumb kid in need of help. They, uh the judge had compassion on me and of course, you know, my dad had the lawyer and and that really helps and so they gave me 10 years instead. Okay. <laughs> they, they gave me 10 years. Um, they suspended the 10 to 5 years and 5 years probation. Okay. So I ended up doing 5 years. About Really, it was around about 4 and a half years I actually did 
Um, I had a five-year sentence, needless to say. And um, so I did around, you know, just to be very accurate, I did around four and a half years in prison from 16 to 21. And, um, yeah, it was it was hard time. I, I feel like I went from, you know, a kid to a bigger kid. I really didn't feel like I grew up. I felt like um, real life really sat in where I wasn't as bad as I thought I was, you know. But I was in a gang, and, and, and I was growing in leadership in my gang. And, you know, I was doing more hard things and very, very um, cruel things. And anyways, I get out of prison, and I'm probably a worse convict now than I was before I went in because now I've learned all the tricks and trades from the people who were doing 20, 30, and 40 years. And, you know, you learn from those old schools and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you kind of learn the system. You learn to, to be better at hiding what you do and uh, really got into things like extortion, like, hey, if, if you don't give me this, um, these people over here are going to hurt you or hurt your people or hurt your mom or, you know, really got into that type of thing, like because they're afraid they pay you money because they don't want you to hurt their family. Really got into things like that that are really horrible. Um, but also, I was where I got it from was it was done to me. So I really had, you know, now that I'm born again, I really had this grace for people. Like a lot of times, you know, because I was extortioned, um, I therefore did it to others, you know. So it's like kind of shines a light in, into some people's heart. But anyways, um, got out of prison, still living the same life, if not worse. It didn't change me. If anything, it made me worse. And about about six months later, I meet this, this lady, and um, literally about three months from meeting me, she has an encounter with God. And this encounter truly changed her heart to now where she just wants to run after God. But, you know, that was it. It was just an encounter. It was just a moment of time. And that moment kind of passed. And and because that moment passed, she started, you know, going back out and hanging out with old friends and certain things like that. And, and praise the Lord, she met me. And, uh, man, I was so bad news, you know. It's like my, <laughs> my friends told me, like, you know, don't she's she's like way above your pay grade <laughs> way way above you know like don't even try bro it's not happening wow. you know but somehow that made me want to pursue her okay so i just began to pursue her and 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 they were right like she was like i don't want anything to do with yeah. you you know but i just kept kept on kept on and and some roses and chocolates yeah and bro just <laughs> you know calling her every day you yeah. know doing you know unimaginable things like hey like it's things I knew other men weren't doing, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And kind of kind of just won her her attention and she was like, Man, this guy's a little different, you know? And then she felt free, like she could be herself around me. Like, I like you because I like you. It's not like you don't have to be a certain way, you know? And I think that really, really got her attention and, and, and I didn't lie. I was very open and very yeah. blunt. And uh she had met a lot of people who lied to her over and over and over just to, you know, get something and then their true colors come out. Yeah. Whereas for me, she would ask me questions and I would just like, Ch -ch -ch -ch. truth. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I am who I am. Hmm. Therefore, I'm not going to hide it. Like, I'm not living for you. I'm living for me, you know, in this lost state. 
three months goes by, you know, we're living together, living in sin, you know, and um, she started going to church again. She goes to this church, and this uh, prophet guy comes and calls her out in the crowd, and it's like, Mm-mm-mm. it's like you, you know, in the <laughs> so-called shirt, and come up here. She was like, me? And yeah, you know, I'm not there, of course. I'm at home smoking weed, you know, like, I'm like, you know, and he tells her, you don't need a man. Mm. And he tells her three times, you don't need a man, you don't need a man, you don't need a man. Mm. And she comes home and she's like, hey, are you going to get right? Are you going to do right? Are you going to straighten up and go start going to church? I was like, yeah, right. Mm. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? And she was like, well, you, you need to leave then. Wow. And we had this big fight and I left. And, you know, I went right back to doing what I was doing before I met her. And basically what I was doing before I met her is that I was, you know, I was living with five women and I was somehow their backbone. They all sold drugs and I was just to make sure no one robbed them. So I was the guy when you came in the door, you saw him standing there with a Mossberg pump, you know? Like, okay, go in there and buy your drugs, and okay, now you need to leave. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, putting a needle in my arm, you know, wow. 10 or 15 times a day just to stay awake, just to be alert, just to, you know, paranoia sinks in. I mean, we were spending where, you know, I was staying up 10, 15, 20 days, no food, no sleep. And uh, you can just imagine the state of mind that a person could be in. And, you know, this had been going on, this has been going on for many years at this point, and this has just become my life. And the only reason that I was so calm during the relationship with, with Nicole when I first met her was because I, I, I did some bad drugs and I got really, really sick and I thought I was going to die. And so for, for about three months, I didn't do those drugs during that time because I, I was scared that I would die because somebody had gave me some bad drugs. And uh, so at the end of, you know, that three-month period with Nicole and she come home and said, you don't need a man, you know, you need to leave if you're not going to straighten up. I just went right back to the same thing I was doing before. And while she was done with me, she had a heart of compassion toward me. And Nicole has always been the type of woman that when she's done, she's done. She would literally fall off the face of the earth and you'll never find her again. This is the kind of person. She's done it many, many times, been with many, many men, and just the way it happened, like, okay, this is not working, I'm, I'm done. Just like all of us, you know? And so here, yet again, but this time she's Christ-focused. This time it's not because she wants to you know, she don't want to be in a relationship. This time it's because she wants to follow Christ and she needs to get rid of everything that is entangling her into the affairs of this life. And basically, I was, you know, one of those things. And But she, she knew I was different somehow in her heart. So she began to pray for me. And in her prayer for me, she was like, I feel like, she was praying, she was saying, Lord, I feel like he needs to go to jail because if he don't go to jail, he's going to end up dead. And um, needless to say, man, about three weeks after, you know, we departed about a month later, um, I got in a, a, a fight with the police and I ran and they tased me. They beat me up and they took me to jail. And at this time I had been up for about 10 days, 
because of the drugs. And so when I got into the jail, I just slept. And I slept for three solid days. I would get up because they would wake me up and say, hey, the food's here. And when you're in jail, the only thing that matters is those three meals a day and talking to somebody on the phone is the only thing that matters or getting a letter. And so you get up, you eat, I ate my food, I go back to the bunk because like I say, you know, been up for 10 days, no food. You just, I got tased, beat up by the police and got into a fight with them. Like I was hurt. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And they go to sleep. Yeah. So sleep for like three days. And, and during these three days, I have a dream and I have the same dream every night. Mm. But because I was asleep so hard, I didn't immediately remember I had the dream. But mind you, first day I got up, eat my food, go back to the bunk, go to sleep. Second day, same thing. Third day, I, same thing. I, I ate the food, I turned around, and there it was. The same thing that I was dreaming of was there right above my bunk in the bars. And when I saw this Bible that somebody had put there this day, I remembered the dreams that I had. It was like a flashback, if you will. And, and I didn't pray a prayer, but all of a sudden I knew that the Lord is real. Mm. And he has just revealed himself to me. And at that moment, my heart changed. It was a it was it was a turning from and a turning to. And 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 I didn't like I say, I didn't even know you were supposed to pray a prayer. I didn't know anything of the nature. I just knew that the Lord has just revealed that He is real to me. And if this is real, then I want to follow Him. Mm. And there was literally a heart change. In a moment of time, I didn't want to get high anymore. I didn't want to run the streets or be in a gang or go back to jail. I didn't wow. want any of those things. And, yeah. Where was the preacher at? There was no preacher. Where was the evangelist? No evangelist. Where was uh, the, the the little uh, teacher guy coming to teach you? Nothing? No, no. <laughs> no. It was God himself, huh? It was really, it was God himself. I don't know what inmate. Yeah. I don't know who, who brung that Bible. Yeah. And, and I don't even think that they know the impact mm. that has happened. Like, I have no idea who put that Bible there. Wow. But if that Bible would have never been there, I don't know if I would ever remember the dream. Wow. But the Bible... What was the dream? The dream was that this Bible was open, floating above my head. Mm. And it was just like, in the dream, it's just like black room with a high... You know, the, the Bible's like lit up, like it's, the, it's, light, it's lit. Yeah. And... Because it's, it's the light, you know, it's the light of the world. And when I saw the Bible in the bars right above where I was sleeping, it, it blew me away. Like, yeah, I literally saw all the dreams in my head in a flash. And I physically felt my heart change. Like, wow. What is this? Yeah, you know. Like, would you say it felt lighter, or what? What like? What is that feeling? I, I would say it did. It felt like a weight lifted. Okay, and it felt like I have a whole new meaning to live life. Okay, um, okay. And, I, and I I know many times before I had cried out to God, but I had somehow learned to be an atheist. Okay, if you know, I, I, people learn how to be atheists. They don't grow up being atheists. You know, people get hurt, and then therefore they blame God for what these people did. And, and 
and I think, you know, we all, I did it as well, you know, like, how can God be God if these people are like... Right. Like, so atheists aren't really atheists. They're just angry at God. They're just angry at God. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what we see here is, um, so you say you didn't know about the prayer, you didn't know about anything. Yes. All you knew was you had a dream, there's a Bible, and somehow you woke up. You cried out to God before, but through this dream and the impact that it had in your on your mind, like, hold on. It just like came over you and you said, the Lord is real. Like, he has to be real because this is crazy, you know? Dream for three days straight and, and you felt this and you immediately turned to him with belief that he's real. Yes. And we see in scripture that that is all that is required, you know, uh, outside of a prayer, which is good. Yes. Outside of, um, let's say, you know, confessing to someone, which mm -hmm. is great. You know, all these things are practical. We need to do them. But the Lord is asking for our hearts mm. to be turned to Him, right? And and what you're experiencing at this very moment years ago is that requirement, what's being required from everyone. It says that, you know, he's patiently waiting that, you know, that all men might turn and repent. Amen. You're experiencing this thing right now without a doctrinal lesson, without a preacher, without a pulpit, without somebody telling you this is what you have to do. It's happening, right? Yes, yes. And, and you learn later, like, this is what's required. If you didn't know, you just did it. And because you did it, and because it's God's standard for this to be done, and it's happening to you, all of a sudden, things are, are starting to present itself, show itself, fix itself in the mm. sense of like you don't want to do drugs anymore and things are getting slightly better. You felt this weight come off you. Offer the simple act of turning. Yes. Right? Okay. Carry on. Yes. So, mind you, I just did five years in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been out of prison for a year. I've done nothing right. Although I'm in jail at this moment, I was already out on two bonds, so I've been to jail twice already before. One for a gun, another for a violation of probation. Here I am, a year later. I've not been to probation but one time in that entire year. I got an a unlawful care of a firearm, which I'm a convicted felon at the time, so you can't, you're not allowed to have that. Um, it's a felony charge. Um, resisting arrest, fleeing from a blue light, um, and four accounts of violation of probation. So in my mind, I'm not getting out of jail, you know. Um, I'm in it for the next five years, like, because I have 10 years suspended to five years in prison and five years on probation. Therefore, if you don't do right on probation, they just send you for the remaining of your t of your probation. So I'm thinking I've done nothing right. I've reported, but only time I report is when I first got out, and now here I, I'm just going back for to do five more years. That's what I'm thinking in my head. About... About a month goes by, and I'm like, I got this pounding headache. I mean, pounding headache all day long. I had this pounding headache. I get back to the dorm, and all of a sudden, I realize I can pray for myself. And I put my hand on my head, and I just headache leave right now in Jesus' name. And I took my hand off my head, and it felt like, 
it felt like I grabbed the pain with my hand and took it out of my head. And it left. Wow. And I knew nothing. I just knew I can cry out to Jesus and it will work. Wow. And um, I didn't know this one. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I had been reading my Bible, you know, and you you somehow start in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you want to read about Jesus, right? Yeah. And uh, you see Jesus healing the sick, commanding his the people that love him and want to follow him to do the same. And so I just, I didn't think of it all day long until that I got back to the dorm from doing my, my work, and I was like, I can pray for it. And I just prayed for it, and it left. Hmm. First, you know, just like literally it felt like I put my hand in my head, grabbed the pain, and took it out. These signs will follow them that believe. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just want to share that experience because it's like, Wow. You know, the only reason we don't do these things is because we're taught not to. Wow. You know? Yeah. And it just shines light. Wow, bro. I was already living a radical life before I met Christ. Nothing's going to change. Like, I'm a radical guy. Like, I want to be a radical guy. You only live life once, you know? You're all in for the world. Yes. You're going to be all in for Christ, basically. It's the only way. Yeah. And which leads me to, you know, when I went to, okay, let me back up for a second before I skip to when I started going to church. Um, I go to court. Like I say, I go to court and um, I'm at peace. I know God's going to take care of me. I'm, I'm in prayer the entire, in the waiting room, you know. And I'm like, Lord, I know you're going to take care of me. I, I, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm at peace and I'm ready to, I'm ready to face the music, you know. And I get in there, and the judge says, how do you plead? And I said, guilty as charged, boss. <laughs> and that guy thought that that was the most hilarious <laughs> saying in the world, right? And he was like, well, what do you think I should do, son? You know. And I told him. And he said, okay. What did you tell him? I told him that I really have found the Lord. And I know that this... Um, I don't think I really told him that I found the Lord. I told him that there's this there's this Christian faith based program that's 18 months long, and I and I feel that if I can go here and, and rehabilitate, that I will come out a strong citizen. That's why I told him. And he says, "Okay," and he hit the gavel and let me go. And I was in amazement. Like, you dropped my charges, and you told me. That as long as you complete this program, we'll expunge this off your record, and we'll let you go free. Wow. And I went out of there like floating on clouds, <laughs> you know, like knowing that God is in control. Wow, bro. God's in control. Wow. Not what you've done, not what you should deserve. Hmm. God is in control. He evens out the plan, huh? He evens it out. Like, yeah. you know, he was ready to forgive me. He was waiting for me to step into his forgiveness. He knew my, my whole heart was looking at him. And so because he saw the heart, he made the way where they saw it seemed to be none. Of course, you know, like everybody is looking at me thinking, yo, he's going to prison. And then here I come. He just let me go. Wow. Of course, I had to do the rehab, but it's more like a, you know, halfway home, a lot of brothers there, good support community uh, it was beautiful it yeah. was beautiful and uh 
I really grew there. Anyway, fast forward, um, I go to the, to the rehab, and they let you go home here and there, you know. But they do a lot of church, so you go to church like two or three times a week, plus you work at like a, they have thrift stores, so you work at their stores, and you, you know, they just teach you responsibility and different things like this, and you work your way up. And Anyways, I started going to church, and I became very religious. It, it doesn't take long to become religious. It doesn't take long to look up to those people that have been doing it 10, 15, 20 years. Like, these people have been living for the Lord Jesus Christ 10, 15, 20 years. I'm like a sponge ready to soak up everything that they have to offer. Like, So it's the same mentality. Like, I'm looking for the old school people in this in this life, like you were in the past life, yep. looking for the old school and those are your mentors. Now you're looking again. Yes. Okay. And and, and it, it wasn't hard to see that I was hungry. It wasn't hard. You know, it's not hard to see when someone's hungry for whatever they want. Yeah. Like, when you're hungry, you talk about how hungry you are. You, you're you're available. You're, you're making yourself available for every opportunity and every good work, you know, or, or wicked work if it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you were in the world, you had your fruit to unrighteousness. And now that we're in Christ, we have our fruit to holiness. But, um, so we start going to church, you know. And um, when we say we, who, who's we? Oh, okay. Uh, detail, I forgot. So I had to stay in the county jail for about two months before I got a bed at the, at the rehab. Uh, or the halfway home, I would rather say. And... I'm in, I mean, I was the laundry guy, I was, so I was going in the restroom to get the laundry, and Nicole, my now wife, um, she was on my heart so heavy, and I dropped down on my knees right there, and I said, Lord, if this is my wife, please put us back together, and that night, I was on the phone with her, and so when I talked to her on the phone, she said, she could hear that I was a changed person. Wow. And I was thinking, like, how could she said that I sounded like a totally different person? And it was just, it was, it was a promise of like God was marking this, like, this is your wife. This is the woman that I have, have for you to marry. Mm. So it was just beautiful, you know? Mm. And um, needless to say, time goes by, I'm at the halfway home. We start going to church together. Me and my, my, now my wife at that time was just, I was courting her, if you will. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she was your best friend, girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we was going to a Pentecostal church or a Church of God organization, and uh, you know, I seen people were speaking in tongues and all of this, and I was like, wow, what is that? You know. I remember, like, more, my mom always went, or my grandma always went to Holiness Church. So I remember, you know, them running on top of the pews and falling out on the floor and screaming and hollering in tongues. And But I was always really weirded out, you know, kind of nervous and, and uncomfortable around it when I was little. And now here I am in a place that does it again, but I can feel the presence of God so strong. I'm just so sensitive to it because I'm brand new, you know. And I'm like, man, I want that. I want that. So about a, about six months goes by, and I get prayed for, and 
received the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, me and my wife both at the same time. It was like this monumental moment for mm. us because we had been searching. Like I know like during this whole hour and a half sermon that this guy was preaching, I was on the floor, on my face, crying out to God, saying, God, please, please give me this. Please give me this. I can't live. I was so desperate for God to live inside of me. I had been reading in the word. I had been desiring and seeing that, hey, this is a free gift, freely given to all the world, whomever God will call. And so I was hungry and desperate. And he didn't even have time to put his hand on me. He told me to get up. I got up off the floor and it just came. Mm. I just began to speak in this unknown language that only God understands. And and then I look over and my wife's doing the same. I was just (laughs) filled with such joy. (laughs) Wow. You know, of how, of just how good God is. Yeah. So you knew that somehow this this wasn't filling with his spirit, like God would be in me. So were, did you have any thoughts of like God's not in you? I, I, I had never had a thought that God is not in me. Somehow I believed he was with me, you know, because I, I felt he was leading me. I felt he was changing my life. Right, right. Um, but somehow it's like, okay, I, I want him to live in me, like this gift, this Holy Spirit with inside of me. But somehow like that doesn't, that didn't go back to, oh, maybe he's not in me because, because you felt he was leading you and with you around you and doing things like that. You were good. Yeah. I felt like I was, I was fine. But then when I, I noticed that well, they have something I don't have and I know that no one disciple is above another, like if God has paid a price so that I could have this free gift. Therefore I want it. I want, yeah. I, I want my inheritance. If you, if you know, quote unquote. Um, so I really just, you know, I, I was growing. I was, I was happy. I was in the moment. God was changing me, using me. I was speaking to people and, and I didn't see any, I didn't, I didn't know I even had a need until all of a sudden I realized I need this. And then when I needed that, he gave it to me. Um, it was like, no, I didn't know any better, you know? Yeah. And now that I had it, it was like, whoa, this is, now I know what it means when it says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, receive power to be a witness or to be a martyr, if you will. Like you, you're, you're willing to go through whatever it takes to make, to live this life and run this race. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are, you know, a year in of, you know, encountering the Lord and, and we're growing, but and I had got baptized, you know, um, but I had no idea what it even meant. And I know most people just say, hey, it's, it's something you do because you do it. You know, Christ did it, therefore we do it. Or if you want to become a member at this church, then you get baptized here. And so I did it because I wanted to be a member at this church because I received the Holy Spirit here. You know, and we come into this mentality that we have home churches. Mm. Oh, this is my church forever. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to leave. We're just going to be here and be a greeter and a sound man and a prayer team mm. and a worship team. Mm-hmm. And th- that's cool. That's cool, but... That's not what God's called us to do. If that's what you live your life for, to dress up on Sunday, go greet people, and that's that is your service, then I would say that, you know, in that sense is not cool. Right. But it's cool if that's not what you live your life for. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, I don't want to get into that, but basically there's, there's, you know, a lot of things around that lifestyle. Yes. You know, that mentality. So yes. That's where you were. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was there and, and I lived a radical life before, you know, in and out of jail. So I was 12 and drugs and all of the above. And now here I am sitting like a lump on a log. You know, and it's just like... This ain't radical, you This know? ain't right, you know? <laughs> and I just had this struggle in me. Like, this ain't the life I want to live. Wow. And not only that, but I was still dealing with the body of sin. I was still dealing with the, with this overwhelming desire to sin. Not knowing why. Yeah, you didn't know why. I didn't know why. I thought, I've done all the things I need to do. And, and your, your heart's changed. You want God. You now have the Holy Spirit, but you're like, what in the world's missing, dude? You know? Yes. Like, what is this? Yeah. Okay. Never in a thousand years what I thought it was what it was. Yeah. And so two years goes by now, and I'm like, I'm dying. Yeah. Me and my family are dying. We're beginning to see so many things that don't line up with the Word of God. Why are we not doing this? And why are we not doing that? And why are we not reaching out? And why are we not healing the sick and casting out demons? And why do you got to be on a prayer team to be able to do that? And why do you just all of these questions like, why am I feeling like I'm dying? And everybody else is just here Going like, Ooh, we're having a big party today. And it's yeah. like, I didn't feel what they felt. Yeah, I don't think what happened, what they say happened, happened. I'm just... What are these people feeling that I'm not? What are these people seeing that I'm missing? Yeah. So it's just this big search. And my wife's saying the same thing, but it seemed like no one else was saying what we were saying. So we were somehow confused about it, mm. which delayed our obedience for about a year. About a year and a half, we started seeing all these things, questioning things. And then we delayed for a year because we didn't understand. Okay, home church. We received the Holy Spirit here. We said so many good things here. You know, da 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 da. And it's like, what's next? What's next? Like, God, what are we supposed to do? And I hear, leave. That was the most shocking thing. Is this the, I start, I rebuke you, <laughs> you know, like, leave. <laughs> Just not in the grid. You don't you know? leave church, bro. Right. <laughs> no, you don't leave church. It becomes a, like, a safe place. Like, you have to be. Every every service here in order to continue this faith in Christ somehow. Yeah. Yes. And I started calculating. I started like, hey, when can I preach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when can I? I want to be yeah. used by God. Like, I know I'm a preacher. Like, I want to heal the sick. I want to cast out demons. And I was seeing it, you know. Nobody was helping me, but the Lord was with us, and, and he was leading us because we were willing and available. That's the only thing that he requires is that you have faith and that you're willing and available. Otherwise, he he stops a donkey in his tracks and speaks to his, mm. you know, it's like, come on. Mm-mm-mm. And so it was like, hey, go work with the youth. And you work with the youth for a little while, and then you preach a couple times in there, and then and I'm like, this ain't going to work. Mm. And here it is again, leave, leave. Is that you, God? You know, and I rebuke you, Dale. I'm not leaving. And <laughs> then finally, we just got fed up. You know, like thank God for His uh, grace and mercy. I'm telling you, <laughs> did you call me the devil? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Lord, little strike me down. <laughs> and um, you know, but you just you just don't know. And 
it was it was so hard. It was so beautiful now looking back because, you know, God let us out and we went to another church. We we you know we told the pastor, hey, we feel like the Lord is saying this, and bro, we got beat. You know, like you're wrong. You need to listen to me. You need to submit to your covering and all of these things. I didn't know what they were talking about. I was like. Yeah, you get confused a little bit. Like, am I doing the right thing? It's just, yeah. So I look at my wife. I'm like, I'm a radical guy. I can make a mistake. Let's just do it. <laughs> okay. And uh, we broke out, you know, that box. We went to one church thinking, okay, this is what we need. They were all about prayer and different things. And so we went there and stayed there six months and realized, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think we need to leave again. And we left. And another church, another church another church and all of these churches had one thing that were really good you know one maybe prayer one maybe worship one maybe you know uh, reaching out another this another healing the sick another casting they had all of these things and me and my wife used to talk at home like hey man if we could bring all of these places together into one place that would be the church of christ and um not the church of christ organization but the church of jesus christ and not of the latter-day saints but but the Church of Jesus, yeah, <laughs> no organization, just, you know, and how they were living as we read in the Book of Acts, and yeah, just this long journey of trial and error, you know, seven years goes by, wow, and we're feeling like we're at the end of our rope, like, God, I can't do this anymore. The scriptures don't line up with my life. Is this real? All of these doubts were coming. Is this real? Is this not real? Nobody's living this out. Are we wrong? Are they wrong? Mm. It was just such a hard trial in our life where we went through this desert period for like seven long years. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, man, I thought I was dying mm. time and again. It's like, yeah, this is it. I'm dying. I'm going to just turn back and go live in the world. And mm. I would try to do that, and I was just miserable, like, after I've tasted and seen, there's no way I can turn and live a lifestyle like that. So we'll come back, come back, come back, Lord, you know, really jump in strong. Like we would spend time at home, like doing nothing, feeling miserable and downcast and beat up. And we just got to this place like, what are we missing, God? What are we missing? We just begin to cry out. And when I'm going to say we cried out for years. Mm. God, we know that we're missing something but we don't know what it is, and mm. we don't know how long this is going to take, mm. but we need you to fix it. Mm. And so seven years goes by of us longing for that missing link, and then the next thing you know, we find some videos on YouTube. Mm. And those videos were from TLR, mm. um, just that about the revelation of what baptism really is. And when we saw this, it was like a light bulb went off in our head, like, ting, this is what we're missing. Mm. And we never in a million years would have thought that baptism or the revelation of what it is, rather, is what we need. Mm. So now we make it back to the very beginning of our conversation where mm. here we are in this most desperate, hungry place, still having these one or two sins in our life that are holding us bound. We have somehow gotten rid of every other thing but we have one or two sins in our life that we just can't overcome and we don't know why. And we know that these one or two little things that look very small to the world 
has us separated from God mm. and has a line drawn in the sand and God is saying, you can come this far, but you will not come any further without dealing with these sins. And uh, just in this hard, hard place in our life for seven years, and here we are finding the revelation that we've been longing for for mm. the last seven years. And we went and we got baptized. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, maybe many of you who will hear this podcast will think of all the demons getting cast out when people get baptized. But for me, mm. not even it was nothing close to that. It was down and up, and I was just free. Mm. It was the understanding that I'm not being baptized into a dead work, into a membership of a church, or on, to tell you that I'm doing something for the Lord. It was a true heart of surrender, mm. and that this is setting me free from the bondage and the nature of sin to walk out completely and wholly a born-again life yeah. that he has called us to do from the beginning of yeah. his resurrection. And so you already had that surrendered heart. You, had, you know, it was yes. there. You already, uh, you already had the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the the missing link was to wash away the body of sin. Yes. That was holding you down. And of course you don't you don't know these things. It's not like you heard somebody says you have the body of sin and then all of a sudden you're like, I have the body of sin. And all of a sudden your life looks horrible because you have the body of sin. And now you're living this life according to your body of sin. You see? And then it's like, I will have this until I get baptized. And so for some reason, uh, it wasn't like somebody put this thought in your head that you had this sinful nature and that you wouldn't be free until baptism. And now this this thing is in your head like, I have to get baptized. It didn't happen like that. No. No, no, no. You're living this life. You don't understand why you have this struggle. Romans 7, we're talking about the the war with the members, Mm. which is that body of sin. And you're living this without really like anybody telling you. And then later when you realize and and you hear baptism sets you free from that body of sin, which is Romans 6. Bling. And so so your life is somehow matching reality of Scripture. Yes. I would say that exactly the way you said it is like it became revolutionary. It was like... The Holy Spirit, God, is leading and guiding me into all truth. And he was leading. He w- One thing that really stands out to me is that he was br- he's bringing each and every person to the end of themselves. And when you're really ready to come to the end of yourself, he is ready to completely, 100% transform you and put you in that place that he has always desired for you to be. Yes, absolutely. And that was somehow what we were seeing through baptism as well. Like, we're coming into a completion of what it is to be born again. And then this life as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, as a setting our eyes on the restoration of all things, it just came right into focus mm. because the full picture was then presented. Yeah, of course. And um, let me ask you, you know, do you feel dead? Not at all. <laughs> do you feel 
there's always going to be like what's what's next for me but it, but do you have that sense of like there's a a missing link anymore no, no no missing link no just a growth right and maturity but there's no missing link no in other words we like to call that the the foundational uh laying the foundation and so you're missing these these center blocks if you will but now you've squeezed it in there right and now you have a complete foundation um, because not only the foundation of repentance, which is a changing heart, but in a turning to God, but now you got the baptism, which came years later. You got filled with the Holy Spirit which by, you know, by your faith and wanting it. But you also have the focus of the day of the Lord, which is the resurrected body mm. and your blessed hope. And you're living a life uh, unto righteousness and sanctification, which will bring, um, and, and the last judgment will bring, um, we pray to God that that your deeds and the Lord sees them and, and you're judged based off your deeds and that you'll see the reward yes. set before you. So that is a foundational, uh, that is a good foundation for somebody. But you're naturally coming into these. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's You know, nobody is, it, it, I think too, that that's what our hope is that, you know, this podcast coming out will be is to show the life the reality lived out based upon Hebrews 6, you know, the fundamental, foundational, elementary principles of what it is to be a born-again believer, mm -hmm. that people could see the reality of it, you know, because truth means reality, not just some intellectual thing that I believe. Mm -hmm. It's a reality, and what does these things actually look like in reality? And we're hoping that this message that this life lived will shine light on what it really is to be um, born again. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it, now your mentor, which is Christ to, to live like him and, and, and the old school mentors you look to is Paul, Peter, James, right? right? Yeah. Um, but then you also have, you have this life that you can share with others which also lines up with our call to be ambassadors and representative of Jesus. So um, do you feel like you're living a radical life? Yeah. Uh, you know, now that we're, we're, we actually see the vision, that we have the same vision as Christ, same vision as the Word is talking about, now I can see that this is the life that I've always longed for. Mm. Like, I lived a radical life then. The same, it, it's almost the same features. Like, the, the same thing that was in my heart then is still in my heart now. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the living as a vagabond, the living as a pilgrim, a soldier. Yeah. Like, we're just passing through. This is only temporary. And uh, who needs all of this stuff when you it's certain that you can't take any of it with you? Yeah. And needless to say, like, we've now, in the last year and a half, encountered thousands of people. Wow. Seen many, many, many healings and deliverances and... Yeah. salvation or born-again experiences and yeah. powerful things where God is providing. Mm. And uh, Wow, so uh, it's beautiful, man. Real, real quick, give give people uh, a good word of enduring to the end and finishing this race. What would you say? Make sure that you set in your mind, your eyes on the prize. Like, we can all say that we have our eyes on the prize, but our life lived declares what we believe. 
and, and it's not just all some moral conduct. Yes, moral conduct is a part of it, but if you live your life for this life, you will not inherit the next. Hmm. And that is a reality that has become so true to me that if I do not live and follow in the footsteps of Christ, that I will not inherit victory in my inheritance, which is to come, which is the restoration of all things. Are we looking for a now life, a mm. here and now, mm. or are we having our eyes set on the restoration of all things? Yes. And I think this really separates the men from the boys. It's really what it said. Um, well, thank you, bro. And I've, I believe that those who listen to this, if you um, find yourself in a place where you're like, okay, I love Jesus, I love the Lord, and I found some sort of uh, change of heart, but I'm also, you know, living like Jeremy's life of there's something missing. I would just encourage you guys to really press into what we're saying and that there's a, there is freedom in Christ, and He has laid it out for us. He has not left us abandoned, and He has shown us the way. And He said, if you would just listen to my words and do them, you're a wise man building on a strong foundation. And um, and so I really hope that this, this testimony uh, with Jeremy's life really has maybe exposed something that can help you. And uh, maybe you know somebody out there who's also living this life and is looking for more, but they don't know. I would encourage you to, to share this testimony with them and just say, hey, listen, listen to a real life situation that somebody who's coming from, you know, in the darkest place in this world and the patterns of this world, the elementary principles of this world, as the scripture says, into uh, a kingdom of darkness, into the marvelous light, the kingdom of light, into the principles of Jesus Christ. And there's these two op opposing kingdoms and principles uh, that are really out to get, you know, to get us and not, not that the enemy has any more power, but the Lord is, is wanting everybody to, to recognize the dark, you know, forces and, and that is going to bring death and corruption and anyway, I could go on, but really share this with people that you know. And I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but if it's uh, before the third fundamental class, um, Jeremy will be bringing a, a teaching on pilgrimage and sojourning in this world. And so if it's before, uh, then then look up, look out for that one. If it's after, then just go back to the fundamental classes and, and listen to that because I believe that that is setting the pace of how we live our life here. And I'm going to pray real quick. As a matter of fact, Jeremy, could you pray us out, man? Yes, I'm very, I'm very honored to. So, Father, I just thank you for every ear listening, God, for every heart. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you will begin to do a work in them that will bring complete transformation, that they would reach out, that they would reach out to those people around them, God, that they would not stop seeking you. For you are like a treasure hidden in a field, and we will sell and do whatever it takes so that we might reap that treasure so father we bless these people that are listening god we, we speak breakthrough we speak freedom we speak healing whatever they need we speak it right now in the name of jesus christ 
God, we thank you for their life and new beginnings. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you share your testimony. Yeah, yeah, I'm very honored. So, yeah, guys, uh, hope to be able to talk to you guys soon and hope to have different testimonies. Um, but until then, fix your eyes on Jesus, run the race, endure until the end.